0: Well, my name is Jared. I'm Jared Blaukamp, Pastor Bernie's youngest son. Love that guy. He's awesome. Uh, And I'm bringing the word for you guys tonight. I'm super pumped, super, super pumped. Um, Yeah, we're going to start off sharing a few testimonies, um, just some things that have been going on on the college campuses. I'm a junior at Grand Valley State University, and um, we have been seeing God move in power on our university campuses in West Michigan And so we're going to start off with some testimonies, and then we're actually going to do a brief overview of the Welsh Revival. And specifically, one man who played a a pivotal point in in carrying out that revival. And ultimately, he had four points, and we're going to pinpoint one of them tonight. And I believe that tonight, if we take away that one point, and we put it into practice, that we will see God move in our lives in a brand new way. So, with that said, let's pray. Jesus, I love you, God. Lord, you have been faithful all my days. Lord, you are the only one that we are after. The only one, Jesus. Lord, take away the stage, Father. Take away all the lights, Lord, and you still remain. Lord, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will stand forever. And Lord, help us to stand Even after all we've done to stand. Jesus, open up our hearts to receive something from you tonight, Lord. Because we need you now more than ever. Lord, we don't want to pretend like we can do this on our own, Jesus. Because we can't. We fall miles and miles and miles short. But you are enough. We love you, God. We praise you. We give you the honor that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So like I said, I'm a part of a campus ministry at Grand Valley, and it's called Met by Love. Um, that is the name of our campus ministry, and it's primarily worship. We do worship um, for the majority of our meetings, and then each, each time we preach the gospel. Um, and so we do that three, three weeks out of the month, but every fourth week, all of the college campuses that have met by love expressions all come together. And for a one worship night, and we call that a unity gathering. And so this, this month's unity gathering was actually two nights ago. And we met at Calvary Church on the East Beltline. And we saw hundreds and hundreds of college students come and, and praise the living God. And his, at met by love, we believe that... <laughs> His presence changes lives, and that's exactly what happened. And so our leadership team felt like there was three responses that we needed to kind of go for in the night. And so they opened it up for people to get saved, and we had a number of people give their lives to Jesus the first time or rededicate their lives to the Lord. And then we had opened up another section for confession of habitual sin, and then we opened up another section for baptisms. And we didn't really know how this was going to go, but we had... A pickup truck and just a horse trough filled with water out in the parking lot and so after everybody after everything was all over we at, we opened up the invitation for people to get baptized and around 16 people chose to follow the Lord in baptism on Monday night and we actually we actually have a few of the clips um, from Mo- ba- Monday night so if you want to play that first video um, hold on, hold, don't play it quite yet. So this, this guy that's gonna be coming up here in just a minute, he, is a, he was a student at Grand Valley and he came into Grand Valley knowing about God and he knew here and there, but he never really had a deep relationship with the Lord. And all of a sudden, this something shifted in his heart about a month and a half ago and he said, I've never I've been baptized, I've never been baptized, I've never followed the Lord in this because I, like, I, I thought I was too far along. Like I thought, ah, I don't need that. But now he's following the Lord and he's actually serving with us in our campus ministry now. And so this is him. This is his baptism video from Monday night. And you can kind of see. So you see the horse draw from the back of the pickup truck. And then you can see everybody just cheering and praising. in the middle of the parking lot. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Man. And then... uh, after, so after that, we in the parking lot, we just lifted up the praise of Jesus, and that's that next video that we sing. We took Elvis Presley's song, I Can't Help Falling in Love With You, and we turned it into a Jesus version. Oh, I can't help falling in love with you. This is, these are university, camp, stu- university students in our state. That, that this is these are university students. They go to Cornerstone. They go to Calvin. They go to Grace Christian. They go to Grand Valley, and that's their response. That is their response. That's what's happening on our college campuses in Michigan. Isn't that amazing? So often we hear a narrative from the college campuses, like, man, a lot of. Ca- Kids go to college in the church, and they leave the church once they go to college. And I'm here to tell you that that narrative is being rewritten as we speak. There's there's a movement of college students that's raising up on our university campuses, and they are wild, and they are all about the gospel. They are all about Jesus, and they're all about sharing him and making his love known. So can we give Jesus just a hand clap for that? That is so good. Come on. Come on, come on. Yes, yeah, so this is so good. So I just wanted to share those testimonies about, like, man, just at the front end, just to give, just to worship the Lord through our testimony. You know, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when we, when we share those kind of testimonies, it's like, man, there's a prophecy attached to it. That's, there's a testimony means do it again. And so I share that to say, man, Lord, let's do it again, do it again, do it again. Awesome. So I kind of want to start off tonight sharing a story about one man. This man's name was Evan Roberts. He was alive in the late 19th century and beginning of the 20th century. He was a coal miner. No theological background, no ministry training, but he had a burden on his heart. He was looking around at the churches and he was saying, man, there's, there's not a fire. Where's the fire? And you know what he did? He Got on his knees. He started crying out to Jesus. Lord, could this change? He started dreaming. Lord, could this change? Could this change? Could this change? Lord, send your spirit. Send your spirit. Send your spirit. Evan Roberts, we got some pictures of him up up on the screen here. Just a simple man, 26 years old. One night as he was praying, the Lord places these four pillars on his heart. He drops these four preaching points and he says, Evan, I need you to go to your hometown. The people that you are familiar with and I need you to preach these four points. Number one, confess all known sin. Number two, deal with and get rid of any doubtful character in your life. Number three, obey the Holy Spirit instantly and completely. Number four, make your confession of Christ public. So these four simple points, these four simple points... You know what he did? He went. It was simple. Simple. But that's what the Lord told him to do, and he went. And he started preaching and praying. He'd go to prayer nights. And some of these prayer nights, he would, legit, he would seriously just be bent over the pew in front of him under the power of God. He didn't say a word and preaching. He didn't say a word and preaching. He was just bent over in the power of God. Other times they gave him the pulpit and he would come up and he'd preach the word and he'd preach these four points. And through this one man's obedience all of a sudden he started seeing people get saved. He started seeing these young people get the fire of the Holy Spirit and make their their confession of Christ public. And then one became two, and those two became four, and those four became eight. And all of a sudden, across the whole country of Wales, in the beginning of the 20th century, century, century a revival was breaking out. This is, this is a, a statistic of the Welsh Revival. Approximately 70,000 people came to know Christ in the first two months of the Welsh Revival. And it has today been known as one of the largest revivals in history. But where did it stem from? It stemmed from these four points. It stemmed from one man, not in the ministry, on his knees, praying. And Today I wonder if a similar thing could be birthed in our day and age. You don't need a ministry degree. You don't need a pulpit. You don't need a state. But all you need is some, a, a position on your knees. So today we're going to zero in on one of these four points. You see the four points that says confess all sin. Deal with and get rid of any undoubtful. Obey the Holy Spirit instantly and completely and make your confession of Christ. What's the theme through all of those? It's confession. Confession and every single move of god small 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 or great 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 is built on the foundation of confession and repentance it's built on the foundation of confession and repentance so let's take a look like let's take a look throughout the bible we can see we can see that these four points he didn't just come out of these out of nowhere like they're biblically based we can see in second chronicles 2 Chronicles 29, Hezekiah comes up and he just is starting to be king and he carries a burden for the nation of Israel to turn back to the Lord. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 5 through 7. And he, as Hezekiah said to them, Hear me, Levites. Now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They have forsaken him and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule and put out the laps and have not burned incense Or burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. What did Hezekiah do? He brought everyone together and he confessed the sin of his fathers. He confessed. And the rest of 2 Chronicles goes on to say that the whole nation of Israel was cut to the heart and they entered back into a covenant with the Lord. After they had forsaken him for so many years. They opened back up the temple and instituted the laws and ordinances that God had set out before him. But where did it start? It started with confession and repentance. Let's go to Acts 2. Acts 2. This is right after the disciples had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is what it says in verse 36 through 38. It says, Let all the house of Israel, this is Peter speaking, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard it, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled up with the Holy Spirit, he goes out and he preaches to an entire crowd who is really confused. They don't know what's going on. And what does he say? He says, Jesus was the Christ, and you crucified him. It's a confession of sin. And then what what does he say? The people come to him and they say, well, we realize that we've sinned. What do we do? And Peter says, repent and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Confession and repentance. And it says that day, a little bit later in Acts 2, it says that 3,000 people got saved that very day. There's no move of God without confession and repentance. There's no move of God. So, why are we talking about confession and repentance? It's, it's, it's a big deal because every single move of God is built upon it. People, Peter called out the sins of the people. Hezekiah called out the sins of the people. And confession is what I really want to zero in on tonight. Confession and repentance. And sometimes c- confession can carry kind of like a bad connotation. Some of us, like, we might be cringing right now. Like, oh, confession. Like, ah, uh, that makes me so nervous. But... So, what is the big deal with compre- confession? Confession is not only the foundation, it, it is the foundation of every single move in God, both small and great. But why? It's because it places us in right position with the Lord. Confession and repentance. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Confession is the crux, and it places you in right position with the Lord. This is what it says in 1 John 1, 9. It says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every single unrighteousness. That's why confession of repentance is the foundation of any move of God, because when we confess and repent, God's faithful and just, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And now we can have relationship with God like it was always meant to be from the very beginning. From the very beginning. James 5, verse 15 through 16, it says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. As it is working. I feel like tonight, some of us in this room, and some of us maybe even watching online, you're saying, "Cherry, that sounds real good, you know, like, confess your sins, wipe from all unrighteousness. Like, yeah, pray for one another, you'll be healed. But, man, is that really, like, could that really work for me? Could that, could that really work for me? Like, Jared, you're making a pretty general statement. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I've been, You don't know what I did to other people. And I'm here to say that confession and repentance will bring you into a white relationship with God. It will. It will. God's a man who honors his word. And this is the thing. We hear about confession and repentance. We hear those two verses and we say we know it's true. We know it's true up here. And we receive that by faith. But God has actually given us an example in his word of just how far reaching his forgiveness is. And this example we're going to go through in the next few minutes here. It's the example of David. How many of you guys know David? Raise your hand. David, man after God's own heart, right? But just as he was famous for being a man after God's own heart, he's also infamous for his big mistake. And maybe maybe you're new to church, maybe you're online, maybe you've never really you're not familiar with the Bible, but we're going to get into the big mistake that G, that David made. In 2nd Samuel verse 1 through 2. It outlines what David's sin was. It outlines what he kind of did here. It says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Job and her servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. And it happened one late afternoon when David arose from his couch. He was walking on the roof of the king's house. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And that woman was very beautiful. And some of us know the story. But if, you, if you're not familiar with the story, it goes on to say that David, he, he, calls, he calls for this woman to be brought into his house. And he sleeps with her. He commits adultery. This, this woman was married. He commits adultery before the Lord. But not only that, when when David finds out that this woman is is pregnant with his son, he tries to cover it up. And so he tries to get her husband to come back from battle and to, to sleep with his wife, but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't dishonor his countrymen like that. David was caught in sin and he had nowhere to turn and in an exasperating decision, he orders Bathsheba's husband to be the front lines in the war. And he actually orders that the rest of the men would withdraw from him and leave him by himself so that he would get killed. This this was David, the man after God's own heart, just committed adultery, just ordered one of his soldiers to be killed. Murder and adultery, that, that was David. That was David. But what, is, what does David do? In 2 Samuel verse 12, we see another person enter into the story. And this, this na- guy's name is Nathan the prophet. And Nathan, he tells a story. And through this story, he basically outlines David's sin. He says, imagine that a rich man has a whole flock of sheep. And he leads them out. And he has in a great abundance. But there's another poor man who only has one. And the poor man, he says, Nathan the prophet tells him this parable. Basically that saying that the, the rich man killed the other guy. And then brought the sheep into his own fold. And David responds. He's like, that's not right. That guy should be killed. And David's, Nathan turns it on him. He goes, dude, that's you. That's you, man. You had all the wealth, all the kings and all of this. And you chose to take something that wasn't yours. You chose to commit adultery and then to murder on top of it. David was confronted with his sin. He was confronted with his sin. And then in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord... Also has put away your sin, you shall not die David, he was confronted with his sin, but what did he do? He confessed it. he was confronted by Nathan, but he confessed he says, "I've sinned against the Lord and Nathan's response to him was, "Your sins are forgiven, you shall not die." And David's confession leaded, led into repentance and this is Ultimately, what David writes after his encounter with Nathan, it says in Psalms 51, this is the psalm that David wrote right after his confrontation with Nathan. Nathan. In verse 1, David cries out to the Lord. He says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And then Psalms 51 verse 9 says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Now, I want you to, I want everyone to say this after me. Say, blot out. Remember that, blot out. David's, David's heart is ravaged. He's, he's repentant and he turns from the Lord. So then what's the resolution to all of this? The resolution, so David was supposed to be with his army in the Rabbah, he was supposed to be with his army fighting. And this was the resolution of David's army. It says in 2 Samuel, verse 12, 29 through 30, it says, so David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. And the crown of, the, of their king, and he took the crown of their king from his head. The weight of it was a talent of gold and in it was a precious stone. And it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city A very great amount. So David repented, and guess what? The people of Israel, they still succeeded. They still succeeded. Now, that was 2 Samuel, verse 11 through 12. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context here, but 2 Samuel was written before the nation of Israel was exiled to Babylon. That's like one of the cruxes in the Bible, crux of the New Testament. It's been prophesied for a while that the nation of Israel, because of their unfaithfulness to the Lord, would be exiled to Babylon. So, 2 Samuel, the story we just read about with David and Bathsheba, it was written before the exile. And then, if you, if you flip through your Bible, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there's a lot of repeats. There's a lot of repeated stories in the Bible, right? You go first 1, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and then you go... Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, and if you read them, you're like, these, they're the same stories. Like, why are they in here twice? It makes no sense. But if you have a little context, First, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, they're all written before the exile. But Chronicles was written after the exile to Babylon. So what was god saying like why did he institute another set of the same stories he wanted his people to know that i haven't forgotten about you you're still my people even though you turned away from me even though i sent you into exile from babylon you're still mine and i'm going to repeat these stories so first and second samuel it was before the exile second first and second chronicles was after the exile and in between in between these two accounts, we find Psalms 51, which is that, that prayer that David prays, which he says, he says, blot out my transgressions. So, that's the context. Now, thank you for following with me. We're going to put it all together. Are you ready? Why, why are we talking about all this context? So, if we look side by side, at the two accounts of David's life. The one written before the exile. The before David had prayed his prayer of repentance. Right? Psalms 51 was prayed in between these two accounts. If we look at 1 first, first Samuel. And we look at the same account. in, I'm sorry I said 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel. If we look at the same account in 1 Chronicles 20. I think we're going to see something really, really powerful. So let's, let's look at. First Chronicles 20, verse 1. In the spring of the year, when the kings go out to battle, Joab led out the army and ravaged the country of the Ammonites and came and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Right? That sounds similar, right? Same thing that we just read in 2 Samuel 11, right? At the times when kings go out to war, but David stayed in Jerusalem. But watch how the rest of the verse continues. And, and Joab struck down Rabbah and overthrew it. Wait, aren't, aren't we missing something there? Could we go back to could we go back to first second Samuel? Verse eleven or chapter eleven? Let's go back. Let's see what what are we missing there? In verse one and two it says. Second Samuel eleven verse one and two it says in the spring of the year when kings go out to battle David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. okay that's all the same but David remained at Jerusalem okay great and then verse two it says it happened late one afternoon when David arose wait that's not in there in Second Chronicles is it it's not in there where did it, where did it go. Let's let's continue on. Let's continue reading. And so in 2nd Samuel 12 verse 29 through 30, we can see we can see the end to the story. Now we see the end of the story in 2nd Samuel 12 Verse 29 through 30, it says, So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabat and fought it and took it. And he took the crown from the head, right? We just read this, and the weight of its talent was a talent of gold. In it was a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head, and he brought out the spoil of the city a very great amount. So he brought he brought the the city out. And so David that, that was the way the story ended. So let's look, take a look at the way Second Chronicle, or First Chronicles ended as well. And we can see that in First Chronicles 20, verse 2 and 3. So, and Joab struck it and Rabban overthrew it. So this is how the rest of Second, First Chronicles 20 continues. It says in verse 2 and 3, it says that in First Chronicles 20, it says, and this is from the New King James. It says, and it happened in the spring of the year, in verse 2 and 3, it says, then David took the king's crown from his head and found it to weigh a talon of gold. And there were precious stones in it. And he set it on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. And then if we put up, we could put up again 2 Samuel 12, the ending of the story. So this is the end after David has messed up with Bathsheba, after he's confessed and repented to Nathan. This is the end. It says in 1 Samuel 12, the end of 1 Samuel 12, verse 29 and 30, it says that it says that so David gathered all the people together and went to Rabah and fought against it and took it and he took the crown of their king from his head and the weight of it was a talent of gold and in it was a precious stone and it was placed on David's head. So that's Second Samuel 12 verse 30. So Second Samuel 11 was all about David and Bathsheba and that's the end. But if we look at the account of Second, First Chronicle, if we look at the account of First Chronicles, chapter 20, verse one through three, it completely skips the entire story of David and Bathsheba. One through three, it just goes all the way from the, the start to the end. It says, at the time when kings go out to war, David and Joab struck the city and he took it." The entire account of David and Bathsheba, you can look this up on your own too. 1 Chronicles 20 is not in there. And so now we're asking ourselves this question, why? Why did the Lord choose to, to choose to leave that out? Let's look back at Psalms 51, verse 1, and in verse 9 as well. We can bring this up. Remember, what did we say? What did we say? Blot out. My transgressions, right? It says, according to your blending mercy, blot out my transgressions. And then we go in verse 9. Here we go. It says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. What did David do? He was confronted by Nathan. He confessed and he prayed a prayer of repentance. He said, Lord, would you blot out my iniquities? And what did the Lord do? He gave the account to Samuel. The first time, but after David had prayed his, prayed his prayer of repentance, God blotted out his transgressions, and they're no longer in the Bible. They're no longer in the Bible. A murderer, an adulterer, he blotted him out completely. He, the Lord, literally proved First John one nine: confess your sins, and I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. From all unrighteousness. And tonight what I feel like the Lord is saying. And he's opening up this invitation for all of us. He's saying, would you confess and repent? Would you confess and repent? Because I'm able to blot out your transgressions. I'm able to move them as far as the east is from the west. And your, your transgressions might carry a long history. You know, you might, have them, you might have them written down in a book like David did. But the Lord said, hey, when I give it again, it won't be included. Because I blotted out. My sin, Jesus' sacrifice for you was enough. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you confess and repent, God will forgive you. And he'll blot out your sins just like David. He'll blot out your sins just like David. And so I want to open up this opportunity tonight as we get closing. I want to open up this opportunity. Maybe you're here Maybe you're watching online right now and you're saying, man, I don't really know Jesus. Like, I, I've, done, I've done terrible things and things I, I don't want to mention. Could it actually be true that, that there's a God in heaven who would blot out my transgressions, who would wipe them all away and wipe them clean could there be a God and I'm here to say there is a God his name is Jesus and he died on the cross he forsook heaven he died a sinner's death so that we who were bound up in sin could be forgiven and be made right with God And if we will confess our sin, God is still faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's still in the business of blotting out transgressions. And so if that's you right now, you're watching online. Maybe you're in the room and you're saying, man, I am caught in sin. And I know I need it. I can't do anything about it. I know I need a Savior. and I want to receive the gift of salvation that Jesus has purchased for me. I want to confess and repent so that I can be made right with God with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. If that's you in the room or if you watching online, you're saying, man, I need to get right with God. I'm not right now, but I need to be. Raise your hand on the count of three. One, this is your chance. Two, you can feel it. Don't turn away. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand. Raise your hand in this room. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's one, there's two. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let us know online if you're making this decision for yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you call on him right now? Would you call on him right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You're so good, Jesus. You are so good. All right, with everybody's head bowed still and eyes closed still, you can put your hands down. We're gonna do what we've been teaching on all night tonight. We're gonna confess and repent. So if you'd repeat this prayer after me, just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all the wrong things that I've said for all the wrong things that I've done. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Would you come and be my savior? I confess you as Lord of my life and I believe that you rose from the dead and I wanna live for you for the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, would you help me walk this walk? In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. One second. And then, come on, that is amazing. Like people in this room literally passed from death to life. People in this room came in not right with God, and now they're right standing with God. They're headed to hell. Now they're headed into heaven. They're on their way to heaven. That is something to celebrate. Come on, that is so good. Thank you everybody online who made that decision as well. That is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And if you made that decision, would you please text yes to the number that is coming up on the screen there? We really, we really want to connect with you and walk with you in this new life that you have chosen to live. We are so excited for you. We are beyond excited for you.